Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen, wherever and whenever you may be listening to this episode of the Black and Blue Pod. I am your host, as always, Matt McLaughlin, with Noah Broderick. We're going to be reacting to last weekend's wild card games, and we will be giving, or not wild card, divisional round games, excuse me, and we will be giving a uh, prediction for this upcoming uh, conference championship game, which features loaded matchups across in both the AFC and NFC. So let's just jump right into it. We're going to go recap the divisional round first because that was took place and we want to give our takes on some of these teams that were bounced out. So Rams versus Packers, Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers offense completely dominate. Seems like from start to end of this game, the Rams really struggled to put up points. They only put up 18, uh, is this the year that Green Bay finally gets another championship with Aaron Rodgers under center? We shall see. Now, that being said, Noah, I'll throw this to you first. What was your biggest takeaway for Los Angeles? Because I think Los Angeles is a team that we're, is really like they don't really know where to go from here, especially with that Jared Goff contract. Uh, Cam Akers had a really great year. Where do you think Los Angeles goes from here in the offseason? Well, first of all, I think golf played a really good game, which I was surprised about. Because, well, actually, I, I I bet on the Rams, which I told you, and uh, that, that killed me. But golf played well. He wasn't the reason they lost, I don't think. I think he made a lot of throws in the tight windows. And given the cold weather with that thumb, I think he did all that he could. Um, he really missed Cooper Cup in this game. I, do, I don't think that can be understated because I feel like when I was watching this game, I'm like, they need another playmaker. And, like, I could sit here and tell you that, I think that's their need for the offseason is to go get off another playmaker. Um, but Cooper Cup wasn't in that game. Maybe if he's in that game, it's a little bit different. A couple of plays go their way. Um, Akers is legit. I think he's there running back next year. I think they're going to run it back with Goff because, I mean, you mentioned the contract. They're tied into him already. And um, he's just not like – he's not terrible. He's at least – like I think he's league average. He just has games where you're like, what are you doing? But he also has games where he can keep you in it. And, you know, that I remember that Arizona game he played about four or five weeks ago. He played really well in it. Nobody really gave him any props for it because, as he says, when they lose, it's all his fault. And when he wins, when they win, he's nothing to do with it. Um, so I think he's gotten the short end of the stick a couple of times. But he also is erratic. And, uh, you know, you don't feel great about him. But he's gotten them to a Super Bowl. And, you know, I, I feel like if, if they were just able to make a couple more plays in that Green Bay game, it could have been very different. I mean, it was 25-18, I believe with the Rams getting the ball back with like eight minutes to go in the fourth, like they might've signed up for that going in the Lambo, you know, a chance to go tie the game in the late fourth quarter, maybe force overtime or, uh, you know, somehow get a stop on Rogers. And the second thing was, um, you know, their defense, it was a little bit compromised in this game. You know, they couldn't really, the Packers are kind of scheming around having Adams and Ramsey going one-on-one -on -one the whole time. You saw that play in the end zone where they put Adams in motion and had him basically sprint across the field and, Ramsey got picked by his own guy and then he couldn't get to him, you know, for a two yard touchdown. Like Adams wasn't able to really wreck the game. And um, Aaron Donald was a non-factor and I'm not going to blame him. I mean, I think he's still the best defensive player in the league. I just, his ribs was a real issue. And um, you know, he was pretty much a non-factor. Uh, this game, honestly, I get more of a takeaway is that green Bay is really legit because um, I had my questions about them still, even with Rogers having such a great year. Um, but that defense came to play. They ran the ball down, you know, the Rams' throats. And they've got, you know, three running backs who are capable of doing that with uh, Dylan, too, and Jamal Williams, in addition to Aaron Jones. And, uh, you know, Lazard stepped up, and they're just firing on all cylinders. Tanyan, I think you put out a tweet about him, like saying he's a great end, you know, a spark plug for them as well. And, uh, and, you know, they didn't even have Bakhtiari. So I really think it's a Green Bay's, Green Bay's time in the NFC. I think that uh, the, the pathway is there for them to – to beat Tampa this weekend and uh, be playing in Tampa Bay uh, for the Super Bowl against uh, whoever comes out of the AFC. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, Jared Goff is a good starting quarterback, but the question is now, is he the guy that can take your team to a Super Bowl and win? A lot of people will say, and I'm one of those people who will say, 
during that Super Bowl run a few years ago, it was only a couple of years ago, you had Todd Gurley, who was in in his prime and not fucked up by his knees pretty much. You had uh, Cooper Cup, who wasn't injured at that point. And then you had um, Robert Woods was great number two receiver. And Aaron Donald was thriving defensively and everything like that. So I kind of feel for Jared Goff when he says, yeah, when I win, it's not it's there's nothing said about me, but when I lose, it's all on me as much as, as much as I hate to say it, he's, he's right. But you know, that's the way the NFL goes. It's a quarterback driven league. You are the quarterback. You are the most critical factor of a game on really any, any game by game basis, the quarterback makes or breaks the game. So with that being said, I think they are going to stick with golf because that contract is so heavy and they're so tied to it. And at the same time, you got like, if I'm Los Angeles, I got to look at different quarterback options, not saying you got to replace them right away, but you got to at least look to be able to evaluate your options and see, Hey, where can we get a more dynamic playmaker? Because golf to me just looked like what Tua looked like this year, where, yeah, he's not going to turn the ball over a lot. He's not going to take many risks, but that's his, but at the same time, he's not going to take shots and he's not going to make big plays a lot of the times. A lot of the times, it's Cooper Cup taking a five-yard drag route, a five-yard slant route, and then get, getting uh, yards after the catch or a big run by Cam Akers off a screen or something like that. It's not a down play, 20, 20 to 40-yard pass that goes all the way to the, to the house. That just doesn't happen. And for Green Bay, I agree. Green Bay is legit. They are absolutely dominant. I almost got that score right uh, as long if Los Angeles kept a little bit closer. Uh, but that being said, Green Bay is legit. They look like they are clear-cut favorites in the NFC. It's just a matter of will Tom Brady turn the switch and become playoff Tom? We'll see. Uh, I think Aaron Rodgers is just rolling right now. He's, he's just clicking with all of his receivers – all of his linemen, even with the loss of Bakhtiari, they are absolutely thriving. And Jalen Ramsey got his mouth shut in this game. Devontae Adams, he didn't have, like, his typical Devontae Adams game. But Jalen Ramsey was talking all this shit. He was saying, like, pregame, like, you go where I go, or just saying all this shit. And it's like Adams just hung 90 on him or whatever and just got a couple touchdowns and just basically shut him up. Like, Ramsey looked lost. And to me, Jalen Ramsey did not look like a top five cornerback in that game. And it looked like he just got put in his place. And that's what I loved about this game was that Adams just really shut him out and, uh, or shut, I should say, shut him up. But with that being said, uh, do you have any concerns for Green Bay? Like, is there one, a facet other game that they got to address? Or do you think they're just in great shape right now? The one thing I'd worry about in the Tampa game specifically, I guess we'll tie this into the preview too, is that Todd Bowles is going to blitz a ton and the Tampa Bay defense played really well against the Saints. And if Rodgers, like he was, the Rams weren't able to get pressure on him in that game. That's why he was able to do everything that he wanted to do. There's a couple times where they did and they collapsed the pocket and he was still able to make throws. That's just Rodgers being great. But if Tampa can get more pressure on him than the Rams did, I don't think he's going to be able to, you know, he's not going to be smiling going up and down the field and just hitting any receiver when he wants to, it's going to be a little bit harder on him, you know? So that would be my only concern for them is that that offensive line played well against the Rams, but I'm not certain that it's going to play well against the bucks. Um, mm -hmm. You know, that I think the left guard's really good. I think uh, Lindsley's very good, but obviously new left tackle. I, you know, if they can, if, if, if Jason Pierre Paul can get pressure on him, if Levante David, if Devin White, those guys can create a little bit of havoc for them. They could be in a little bit of trouble, but that would be my only real concern because you know Rodgers is going to make his plays. You know they're going to be able to run the ball, even though Tampa does have the number one rushing defense. I think that you know, they're going to be able to run the ball pretty well because they didn't show me any indications that they're not going to be able to run the ball after watching that uh, Rams game where Aaron Jones literally, he probably could have had, there's like three runs where he could have taken them to the house. And he didn't, yeah. but I mean, there was, he had whole, he had just a bunch of holes and he would get tripped up by one guy saving touchdowns. I mean, that, that might not happen again in Tampa, you know, he might be able to break a couple of those. So that'd be my only concern for them, but they look really good. They look like a complete team. Yeah. I green Bay looks incredible. Uh, again, 
early in the season, my biggest concern was their run defense, and that'll be my concern going into this one. They had a great performance against Tennessee at the end of the season. They did a pretty decent job in this game. Uh, not necessarily like outstanding. Cam Akers still had 90 yards and a touchdown on 18 carries. But uh, if they can limit Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones to maybe like 50 to 70 yards a piece, I think that's a good formula for success and really limit uh, Tampa Bay's running attack, which will force Tom Brady to throw more. Uh, so, but with Green Bay, I, I think you start A.J. Dillon in this game j- just to absolutely set the tone, pound the ball down their necks, uh, and absolutely, like, set the tone for against Tampa Bay and say, hey, we're going to bruise, we're going to, like, make this a war of attrition, and then that'll open up the holes for Aaron Jones, who will be fresher and have bigger holes because the defense will be more fatigued or whatever. So I think you start A.J. Dillon in this one just because he reminds me of like an Earl Campbell where he can just pound it and just get huge yards, like even through contact. So I, that's my biggest suggestion for green Bay. Uh, and as for, as for the Rams, like I said, like they're just mediocre at this point and green Bay is clear cut favorite in the NFC. Uh, so let's just move on AFC matchup. Uh, Ravens versus Bills. Both offenses struggled in this one. Uh, Lamar Jackson threw a pick six at the end of the game. That's pretty much sealed it. Uh, the final score was 17 to 13. And many people were expecting like a huge uh, quarterback duel that would signal the new guard of the quarterbacks in the league. That didn't really happen. Lamar Jackson finished with 162 yards and an interception. No touchdowns uh, at all. And that's including rushing, which was shocking. Uh, on 14 for 24 on his passing attempts for Josh Allen, 23 for 37 for 206 yards, uh, one touchdown, but no interceptions. And he took two sacks in this game. Uh, what was your biggest takeaway from this matchup? This game was kind of a dud. And honestly, I have no takeaways from Buffalo other than that they were able to sweep by. I didn't really see anything from them that stood out to me. Um, I think that if Mahomes plays, they could be in a little bit of trouble this weekend. But um, my big takeaway in the game was Baltimore and Lamar Jackson. And this is a thing, something I've felt for three years. And uh, he proved me wrong against ta- Tennessee, but I was proved right here is that he is not built to win in the postseason in multiple games. Like I, I, he got the one win against Tennessee. That's great. It was one and two. But I just don't see a quarterback, you know, who's predicated on running the ball without, especially without a big receiver in that offense, being able to win three games in a row against top tier defenses who are going to do everything they can to take him out of the running game and make him a pocket passer. Cause I don't think if Lamar Jackson, you know, had Eli Manning's legs, he wouldn't be in the league with his, with his arm. Yeah. It's just, yeah. it's just facts. And it, when they take him out, when you, you know, you don't let him do all the quarterback runs and you really key in on that, it's hard for him to make plays. And then, he was just bad in this Buffalo game, and he was. I mean, he extended a couple plays, you know, drove him down. And then when he did that, you know, he threw the pick six, and he just – a lot of three and outs. He just wasn't very good in this game. And, um, you know, he's one of three in the playoffs now. It's not a huge sample. Uh, you know, he's young. You're going to give him more time. But I think unless they get him an Allen Robinson type, you know, receiver, Galladay, one of these guys in the free agent market, or they use a first-round pick on a receiver – I don't think he's going to win. I'm just never going to take them to get past second round. And that's just the reality of it for me. I don't know about you. For me, I think Lamar just doesn't have the right pieces around him. Yes, they have an incredible stable of running backs. But Marquise Brown does not look like a number one wide receiver. He looks like a number three wide receiver at best. Number three. Yeah, I was going to say he not look at number two either. He... Yeah, exactly. Like, I think Des Bryant could fit at a better number two spot than he does, than Marquise Brown because I just haven't seen the explosiveness that I was expecting from this team. And they only won that Tennessee wildcard game by a touchdown. A win's a win. I get all that. But if you're Lamar Jackson and you're trying to prove that you're a franchise quarterback, you got to win more than single possession. And, yeah, and dude, he scored 20 points. Like that was like the max he's going to put up in a playoff game. That was a Tennessee defense is terrible. I mean, they, 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 the Baltimore defense, is the reason they won that game. Right. Yeah. No. Yeah. Because Derrick Henry had like 40 some yards if that. Like, if Derrick Henry has his normal day, they're not going to win that game. Like, it's – I don't know, man. I, mean, I agree. I I just, yeah, and I know we're in agreement, but I just don't – I think Baltimore needs to – they can't shake it up. They're so committed to this. 
but they need to get him a number I mean, one wide receiver. And just like he needs to just keep growing as a passer, have the Josh Allen yeah. maybe next year. That's that's all I can really say. I think you got to change offensive coordinators, get something new, get a fresh system in there. You can't keep running like triple options, speed options, and quarterback draws and all this stuff. You got to be able to air it out. And if I'm Baltimore, if I'm John Harbaugh, I'm saying, okay, what did Buffalo do? with josh allen that led to this leap like what did they do whether it's change lamar's throwing motion whether it's changing up the play calling whatever you got to do you got to do it go out and get a stefan Diggs caliber receiver not necessarily i guess i should shouldn't say a stefan Diggs caliber because he's all world talent but you got to get a good a great great receiver to that could truly fit a number one slot uh allen robinson like you mentioned even if you got to trade for a guy, another guy in Detroit, Marvin Jones Jr., I think he's a great explosive playmaker that could really help you out uh, in Baltimore. I would keep Des Bryant just because I think he could provide that steady veteran uh, leadership and give you a couple of touchdowns here and there. I think if he has a full season underneath his belt with this with this team, he could really put up some great numbers next year. Uh, but the, the clock is ticking, it feels like, on Lamar to prove that he can win a playoff game and, like, take this team far because the second round isn't going to cut it. Like, you can't, as a franchise, keep saying, hey, we're one step away or one piece away from whatever and keep keep losing in the second round. It's That's just not how sports works. <laughs> you got you exactly. to change something. Exactly. You got to change something up. And I think uh, offensively, they got to, like, fire fire the current offensive coordinator and just – get a new voice in there and who can really change up and bring something new and exciting to this offense. Because even Lamar and uh, Marquise Brown were saying earlier in the season, it was like halfway through the year, they were saying like defenses were calling out our plays at the line of scrimmage. Like how, how, how does that happen is beyond me and how you allow that and expect success in the NFL is ridiculous. So new offensive coordinator for Baltimore and a new receiver, I'm in agreement with you. And Allen Robinson, Kenny Galladay, um, even if you got to trade for someone, do that. Uh, even if but, it's Corey Davis, just give them like a big body on the outside that, you know, could make plays on the boundary. I mean, just somebody like that. Because like Marquise yeah. Brown is just running these post routes and he's just not built to be that big of a downfield threat. It worked a couple times last year. But every time I watched it this year, Lamar overthrew him by five yards or Brown would look the other way or something bad would happen. It, it, I mean, how many times did they try that and it wouldn't work? I don't know. They, they need somebody who can go deep. No, yeah, definitely. And they thought Brown would be that guy, but he just doesn't look like that. He doesn't look like a clear-cut number one receiver in my eyes. Uh, but for Buffalo – Buffalo just proved to me in this game that they can win multiple ways, which is what great teams do. The running game wasn't necessarily working for Buffalo. They only had 32 total rushing yards, but that defense can pick up the slack when it needs to. Uh, They're going to air it out when they want. Stephon Diggs finished with 106 yards on eight receptions and a touchdown uh, on 11 targets. John Brown had a good game, 62 yards and eight receptions. Dawson Knox looks like a, a quality, uh, safe option at the tight end slot to me. So this Buffalo team just looks like they can win in multiple ways. And I think there is a legitimate chance that they upset Kansas City uh, this upcoming weekend in the AFC Ch- Conference Championship, which we'll get into. But overall, Buffalo can win multiple ways. Josh Allen, even when he's struggling, the defense can pick up the slack when it needs to. And that was my biggest concern going into this one, uh, especially – uh, after their last game, I felt like the defense against Indianapolis, I felt like the defense hurt them a lot. And that was my biggest concern was, is Baltimore going to take advantage of some mismatches against like linebackers or something like that? Uh, so overall, Buffalo really impressed me that they could win multiple ways and that defense can really step up when it needs to. And they got to do it again this upcoming weekend. Uh, what were your thoughts on Buffalo after this game? Um, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I was overly impressed with that performance, but their defense was very good. I, I don't know if that was a product of Lamar or what. I mean, you know, they still had to play defense and scheme for them and and, uh, and execute their game plan against them, and they were able to do that. I think Mahomes is a completely different animal than Lamar um, for multiple reasons. Uh, do you know the status of Mahomes, by the way, for this for this upcoming weekend? Uh, Andy Reid said that he practiced and he looked good, but he's still in uh, per- concussion protocol. 
Okay. All right. So, I mean, as long as he clears concussion protocol, he'll play. And as long as he clears concussion protocol, I'm going to take the Chiefs to win. Just because here's the thing with Buffalo is their running game is bad. You mentioned 32 rushing yards. Singletary, I don't think, is a very good running back. I think if there's one thing Buffalo could do for a win-now team, this is where I'm okay with paying a running back, is to get a legit running back in there or maybe draft one in the first round. It's the same thing that the Chiefs did last year. Like, our team's really good. We just won the Super Bowl a little bit different, but our team's really good. You know, let's just try to create this monster offense rather than, you know, draft another defensive lineman or something like that. And they draft Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I could see Buffalo doing something similar to that because I just – I'm not a huge Singletary guy. Maybe they unleash Zach Moss a little bit more. Uh, maybe they invest more in the running, you know, run blocking in the offseason. But their rushing attack just doesn't really impress me. And uh, I think rushing, you know, having a good rushing attack is very important when you're playing a team like Kansas City. And we've talked about that on that podcast for a while. That's why we liked Cleveland to, you know, you like them to win. I like them to compete. And, um, you know, I, I think it's the same exact thing with Buffalo. You know, you, they're just going to need to be able to run the ball. But Josh Allen made plays, Diggs made plays, and uh, they're in the AFC Championship game for the first time in a long time. So you got to give props to them. Yeah. I mean, for uh, for Buffalo, I think having that dual threat of Zach Moss and Devin Singletary is critical to uh, rushing success. I think they need those two guys to have that one-two punch. And they're not the quality running back, like you said, of – when it's just them and they're the sole three down back pretty much that they're going to succeed. That's not going to happen. And you do need a rushing attack to keep that Mahomes offense, that chiefs offense to the sideline, manage the clock. Cleveland did as good as they really as well as they could in trying to beat Kansas city. If they didn't get fucked over for a non-targeting penalty that wasn't called uh, for some reason, but whatever, we'll get into that later. Uh, But I think you got to you you have to uh you have to keep the ball on the ground and you can't turn in, this into a track meet or a shootout because I you don't win. I just don't see Buffalo winning simply because you could lose that you could lose the game on the coin toss if you're trying to make this into a shootout. If we're just trading possessions, then who's going to get a field goal when the other team gets a touchdown? We'll see, but I you got to be able to establish the running game and I agree. Mahomes is a different animal, but this Buffalo defense looks motivated. They got pressure against Baltimore and they looked like they could cover all really their linebackers impressed me in coverage, especially Milano. Uh, and Poyer looked like a great safety. He was keeping his eye and being a great quarterback spy when he needed to be. Uh, but Buffalo just defense was my biggest question. And they answered that completely. Uh, so Browns versus chiefs. This was one of the most exciting games of the weekend, even though the scoreboard doesn't say it. 22 to 17, uh, Kansas City won. Cleveland, I mentioned, a uh, targeting penalty wasn't called at the end of the first half uh, because helmet to helmet, but for some reason the NFL decided to ignore that. And it led to a fumble into the end zone, which basically killed Cleveland's momentum for a long time until they managed to get a couple of scores. Patrick Mahomes got injured. He, for some reason, Andy Reid decided to call a speed option on third and one at like midfield. And Mahomes, I think he hit his head on like the grass or something. And he just was woozy and it looked horrible. Um, But he looks like he's ready to go. He's expected to play this upcoming weekend, but he's still in concussion protocol like we talked about. Uh, But Chad Henney, of all people, wins a playoff game for the first time in his career through his first playoff career pass uh, after he's been in the league for 13 years, which 2021 it's a year Chad Henney wins a playoff game. Of course. Why the fuck not? Why not? Um, so obviously Mahomes getting injured was the biggest storyline in this one, but let's talk about Cleveland. What do you think is the future for Cleveland going forward? Do you think OBJ is the difference maker for this team? Or do you think they still need to go get a weapon? I'm man, it's tough. I think they really just need to work on defense. I think uh, Odell can be their answer, and I like their offense enough. I mean, Baker was pretty good in this game. The stat line won't reflect it, but I thought he made some good throws. I thought he kept them competitive. Uh, he made you know, maybe one or two bad plays here and there, but for overall, he played well. Uh, the Chubb Hunt combination is great. I don't know if they're going to be able to retain Hunt, 
but that combination was great for them this year. And uh, they've got a lot of, you know, Jarvis Landry's good and Higgins is good and Donovan Peoples-Jones might be something. They've got tight ends. Uh, they've got a great offensive line. I don't really think they need to add any playmakers necessarily this offseason. I think that defense was what killed them in the end. Um, it was kind of their, you know, their struggle all year. Uh, they were able to win a lot of close games at home, you know, in bad weather and stuff. But I think their defense still left some to be desired. And then, mm. you know, you saw that Chad Henney run on third and 14. Like that just like a great defense isn't going to let that happen. Let them get in position to convert that fourth down. They're going to get the ball back and give it to the offense and see if they can make a play. But um, so I really think that they should invest even heavily, more heavily into their defense, even though they have, you know, used first round picks on Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward and, and guys like that. I think. They have the talent, especially you mentioned Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward, but that secondary and those linebackers, they need to do something different. Like I understand they lost Olivier Vernon uh, or like towards the end of the season, but it's, that defensive line, you need more than Miles Garrett because it felt like Garrett was the only guy getting sacks and the defensive coordinator for Cleveland. Why are you call it's third and like 16 or whatever. Why are you calling like a quarters coverage when you know in all likelihood they're going to be uh, running the ball. Like, granted, that Chad Henney run wasn't necessarily, like, designed to be a run, but you have to co- – that's discipline. That is coaching discipline where you have to keep your eyes on the quarterback. You got to make sure that he stays in the pocket and not lose track of where he is. And I'm just – Henny takes off. And my only thought is, why is there no defender within, like, 50 – 10 yards of him why that's just ridiculous you have to have at least a quarterback spy in there you got to have someone keeping an eye on him to make sure that he doesn't break loose you know chad henny with his burners apparently he's got the jets on his feet but at the it just doesn't make any sense and on the other side of the ball kevin stefanski decides to punt on fourth and nine when you need a touchdown or a score to bring it within either with a touchdown you take the lead or with a field goal, you cut it down to two. You got to get points on the board. I don't understand why you punt with less than five minutes remaining in the game, and you just decide to punt and expect your defense to get the ball back. That is too much time on the clock that you're killing by just giving them the ball. I'd go for it. Just sack up, go for it, and let the chips fall because this is Kansas City. It's still Andy Reid on the sideline. He's still going to pull some shit out of nowhere, and they still got Tyree Kill. They still got Travis Kelsey. That's how Kansas City wins games is with explosive playmakers, whether it's even whether it's Chad Henney or Patrick Mahomes behind under center, they're going to find a way to make plays and make explosive ones. Nonetheless, they're going to kill your team and just be absolute backbreakers. So Cleveland's defense needs retooling. I would fire that coordinator right away. And. That's a lot. I don't know if I'd fire because, bro, like I'd they, fire. This is I'd as good of a season as the Browns have had in ages. Like they might not want to break this up. I think they could just make a couple improvements on the margins. Hope their young team grows. I don't really think they're going to want to fire coaching staff members after this year. They overachieved in a lot of people's minds. Hey, you can keep Stefanski, but I would fire that defensive coordinator because why? Just why? How does that happen? How does that happen? That doesn't make any like. There was no defender within 10 yards of Chad Henney, and that is your season on the line. I get it. You may say, like, oh, we weren't expecting him to run. We were kind of playing it as, like, a passing down. Sure. But why wouldn't you expect him to run? Like, that just that just happens. Quarterbacks run in this league now. You should expect that, and you should at least have one linebacker playing spy or something like that. And I would fire him. I would fire him. Just straight up. I would just fire him. I just – that – you costed us our season and you can say like run it back or whatever, but the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect anything different to come out of keeping him. So I would oh, wow. fire so, him. Wait, the- so the Browns of the Yankees, so you're saying the Yankees are insane. Sorry. I just, yes. I'm, yes. I'm the Yankees are insane. We keep running the same team back and we don't win in the playoffs. Yes. We'll save that for a baseball yeah. episode. Of course. But, yes, the Yankees are insane, and that's just because I'm a Phillies fan. Um, hey, it could have been worse. You could have paid you could have paid Springer 150 mil or whatever. He's a good player, very good player. I don't mind that, actually, to be honest with you, because he's got, he's got the big game pedigree. He's like a – he's a veteran. Granted, 
part of the cheating scandal. There's a little bit of an asterisk with that. But, uh, you know, that young team needed a, a guy like that. You know, they've got all the Vladimir Guerrero Juniors, the Bo Bichettes, the Kevin Biggios. You know, I think throwing a veteran who's played in big games and can be a spark plug for them into that lineup wasn't a bad thing. So they, they'd overpay a little bit, but that's because nobody wants to go play in Buffalo. Not going to be playing in Toronto this year, probably, because of all the travel restrictions. So they're going to oh, be playing yeah. in that minor league ballpark all year. I mean, if if they're Give me the Buffalo closely. Blue Jays. Give me the Buffalo Blue Jays all day. Give me Vladdy Dingers in Buffalo. I hate that stadium. I hate watching them. The Yankees played terrible there. That's probably why. But yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, I would sorry. just respectable. Yeah. So I would at least bring in if you got to use your first round draft pick. If you have any on linebackers, I would do that. Uh, yeah. Get another agreed. Qu- linebackers well, are a big need. Sorry, I didn't want to say that. I saw BJ Goodson's like their best linebacker, and I watched him suck to the Giants for multiple years. If he's your best guy, you got a problem. <laughs> they, they need a linebacker. No, they do. And I think they need a quality corner uh, to go opposite Denzel Ward at, at least. Maybe a safety, but I think you could get away with um, an average safety. I think Sende has a quality. He's very good for his age. Uh, but I think you need – the biggest thing is having another cornerback opposite Denzel Ward who could give you that pairing of similar to what A.J. – AJ Boye and uh, Jalen Ramsey were in Jacksonville that one year or that few years that Jacksonville was actually good, believe it or not. Uh, I think you need that type of pairing to really beat a team like Kansas city and cover receivers like a Tyree kill or match up with a, a Travis Kelsey and really just match up with some of these loaded offenses in the AFC. So uh, Kansas city, uh, they move on. Andy Reid finds a way to get it done somehow some way uh do you think that kansas city like do you think it's just if they get mahomes it's just a lock that kansas city goes to the super bowl or do you think that yeah mahomes yeah, is going to come in that's where you're at yeah that's for I'm me. At. I, because dude like sorry i just want to say this they were able to win that game without mahomes in the second half like i man if mahomes didn't get hurt i think they would have won by two possessions and I don't think Buffalo was that that much better than Cleveland. They're good. They're better than Cleveland. Don't get me wrong, but they'd have to be three scores better than Cleveland. I think if Mahomes plays and plays to his capabilities to beat Kansas City in Arrowhead Stadium, and I just don't see it. I can see it because if Mahomes still has his bell rung a little bit and like he's still feeling a little, little, not saying that he's like lying through the concussion protocol or anything like that but if he's still feeling a little bit of the after effects of a, a hit to the head like anyone else i think he'll be a little bit uh hindered by that and i think that could lead to some maybe some erratic throws early and that could lead to some possible like early turnovers or some early chances for buffalo to take advantage and put up points in a hurry uh so i think buffalo has more than more than a chance to win this if even if mahomes starts but i could be completely wrong and Mahomes just comes out and tosses like three touchdowns in like five minutes. And all of a sudden it's like 21 to nothing. And then Buffalo is just playing from behind the entire time. So I, I could totally see that, but I think Buffalo has more than a chance to win uh, in this game. But last uh, divisional round game, uh, Saints versus Buccaneers. The Bucs dominated the Saints offense. Drew Brees had three interceptions. Michael Thomas was held without a, without a catch. Uh, what? So Obviously, the big storyline is Drew Brees, most likely retiring. Salute to him. Great career. Uh, Obviously, one of the greatest passers to ever lace up a pair of cleats. Incredible career. But he only had one Super Bowl. That being said, uh, what is – we'll start with the Saints because their season ended early. What is Drew Brees' legacy in the league? Uh, That's a good question. I mean, I look at him as a top ten guy. A lot of people will dispute that. I think he's in that like nine to 10 range. Uh, just because, you know, every statistic, he's pretty much top three. And it's hard to discount that. And for pretty much his whole career, his, you know, at least his whole Saints career, his teams were in the postseason and he was making, you know, all like okay offenses, you know, K okay position player groups, you know, one of the highest scoring teams in the league almost every year. And you can credit that to the stadium a little bit if you want. But really, he was just explosive. He had like a five-year period, I think, in like that 2009, 2008 to 2013 range where he was the best guy in the league, really, besides maybe Brady or Peyton Manning or Rodgers. You know, it was those four. And uh, I just – I look at him as one of the best quarterbacks I've seen. 
But obviously this year and even in past couple of years, he's been a little bit of a shell of what he once was, just not being able to throw the ball downfield as much. And that's really what killed him in this uh, this Tampa game was that they just played everybody up and uh, he just wasn't able to hurt them downfield. The one time they threw the ball downfield, they had Jameis Winston come in. I don't know how Tampa got beat on that. You know, you knew as soon as he came in, that's what they were doing. Um, but that's beside the point. But Breeze, um, of course, you would have liked him to get to more than one Super Bowl you know, being in the playoffs every year and with that, you know, payroll and with Sean Payton as his coach and a bunch of great players, you know, the Alvin Kamara's and the Michael Thomas's and the Marcus Colson's of the world, you know, they, they've had guys and Jimmy Graham's, you know, they've and good offensive lines, you know, you definitely would have liked them to have been one more Super Bowl and you can knock that on Breeze a little bit, you know, losing three home playoff games in the last three years or whatever it's been and maybe you know, the road losses in the past that have been tough. Obviously, the Minneapolis miracle stands out, but there's been more in previous years, you know, dating back to the 2012-2013 range uh, where, you know, they've had games against Atlanta that they haven't won and, um, you know, a couple other opponents I'm, I'm blanking on right now. But I'm not going to – I don't, I don't want to be the one to shit on Drew Brees when his career's ending, you know, just because mm. I think he had a great career. And I don't want to be the one to be like, you know, start critiquing him as soon as he's retiring. I think we could save that for when, you know, he's on the Hall of Fame class or whatever. He's going to be a Hall of Famer, but then we can talk oh, about yeah. his accolades and everything like that. But uh, for now, I'm just going to say, you know, he had a great career and, uh, you know, he just didn't have enough in the tank for this game. And, you know, granted, I want to say this too. Brady didn't play that great either. He made a couple throws. No. This game really came down to, it came down to just making a couple plays and really just the Tampa Bay defense. But uh, yeah, salute to Drew Brees for a great career. Yeah, salute to Drew Brees. I think he was a guy that just so happened to really get screwed over multiple times by referees, bad luck, and just he had one Super Bowl, so it's not like he left walked away and like Philip Rivers, not a champion. Um also salute to Philip Rivers who retired. Uh I just think that Brees really a trailblazer for small quarterbacks. This is a guy who when he was coming into the league at the time, the, the stigma was small quarterbacks can't see over the offensive line. Therefore, they cannot succeed. They're not as athletic, whatever. This guy showed up and showed out going back to San Diego when he started his career. And now with New Orleans, he has done more for the city of New Orleans than probably any other quarterback has ever done for his city in the NFL. And he's just a great guy that I think just got managed somehow, some way, just got managed to get screwed over time and time and time again. Uh, so I think it was just bad luck. And at least he did go out with the Super Bowl. And in my eyes, he's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. One of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Just he was so good for so long. The longevity, the success, and just how he was repeatedly finding new ways to succeed and like, be able to be efficient with his passes incredible uh but that being said what what do you think is the answer for the quarterback position going forward in new orleans do you think it's winston do you think it's Taysom hill do you think they need to bring in someone else i do winston for a year but i think that they're going to be terrible next year anyway so what i would say is terrible winston yeah i think they're going to be bad that's i think they're going to be terrible i don't know about terrible they still got michael thomas Michael Thomas, I think, is going to be on a new team next year. That's just a vibe I get. Whoa, like, I don't... whoa, 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 bow, 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 bow. Hot take. Yeah, I think hot take. I think he's going to be on a new team next year. I because it, you look at it like it, there's bad blood with him and that you know Sean Payton. Just there's a lot of bad things this year coming out of there. You know, him walking out of practice and all the injuries and it just something seemed off there. Him being completely non-factor in this game and their payroll situation is a complete mess. If you look at it, I think they have like the worst cap. They have no cap room. They're going to have to cut a bunch of guys and they're going to be in a position where they're not going to really be able to bring in any free agents for the next two years. So I think if you're a Saints fan right now, you got to prepare to not win that division the next two years. That's just my take. I, I think that Carolina is in a better spot, you know, with all their cap space. And, you know, given that they've got Bridgewater, who I think is a better option than what the Saints have right now. I think the Falcons, we pencil them in every year is a good team and they never are. So I don't want to really touch them, but, <laughs> and then T Tampa Bay, you know, as long as Brady's playing, I guess they're going to win the division next year. So um, I think what the saints should do is just play Winston, see if he's the answer 
he's probably not going to be the answer. And that's why you're going to be five and 11, six and 10, whatever you are. And then look to draft a quarterback. Cause I don't think that there's a guy on the trade market that they're going to be able to bring in um, because of obviously the caps, you know, space that they have or the lack thereof. And also I don't really think they're going to want to turn to some old, you know, veteran, like it, the only one that would like make sense is like a Sam Darnold type, but I don't know if the jets are even going to move them. So um, I, I don't really see them doing too much. I think they're going to, I think that's why they brought Jameis in and that's why they have Taysom Hill there is they're going to have those two guys on their roster next year. And those are going to be their guys. I don't know if I'm willing to say that the Rams, like the saints will be terrible. I think they still got the weapons and give me, give me Jameis, just Jameis time. Let Jameis like just absolutely uncork some long bombs in this offense and I will be happy for at least a year. They'll definitely be exciting to watch. Uh, with Carolina, I'm not – I don't know how much longer, like, Bridgewater is going to be quarterback already. I still think that, like, they're going to be looking to replace him, and it depends on what they do in the draft. But at, it's just – Bridgewater's – we saw it this year. Bridgewater's a guy who – can get you a couple wins, toughen out, not cost you any games with like turnovers or anything like that. But you need someone explosive, whether that's going and getting Deshaun Watson, who clearly wants out of Houston. We'll talk about that later. Um, for New Orleans, I think Winston is more than enough. I think he's learned from Breeze where he can learn how to not take unnecessary risks. Uh Taysom Hill still kind of gives you that offensive dimension, although I still think defenses will figure that shit out. That's going to be a quarterback draw or something like defenses are just going to figure that out over time. So I don't think he's the solution and I don't think he's the Steve young. I think the Steve young comparisons were ridiculous. That's just ridiculous that Taysom Hill's the next Steve young. Uh, but I think Winston gives you the Who best the chance. Said that? I think be- I swear. I, Okay. I think Sean Payton said, like, Sean Payton actually compared uh, Steve, Taysom Hill to Steve Young. Like, it was ridiculous. Very similar players. It's just, yeah, but... like, I get it. I get it. He, um, like, you're in, you're in the practices and you're in the locker room. Like, you probably know about what he's doing in practice more than we do. But come on. Like, watch, like look at the game film. He is not the next Steve Young. It's ridiculous. Uh, but anyway, I think New Orleans – I agree. Ride with Jason Jameis for at least a year. See what he gives you on offense and then see if you can maybe get a high draft pick, maybe get a quarterback next round, next draft. Uh, or if they do decide to like trade up, but who knows? I don't think they have the draft capital or really just really the pieces to trade up that anyone will be willing to like take on a draft capital or bad contract. Uh, but overall, I think they'll still be competitive. I think 500 is more than reasonable. Uh, just ride with Jameis and see what he gives you and just no risk it, no biscuit in the words of Bruce Arians uh, and just rock with him and see, see if he can cost you games or see if he can win you one. Um, but the let's ball. switch over to, t- yeah, he'll, he'll do both 30 for 30, baby. Uh, so let's go to the Buccaneers. Obviously we talked a lot about the Buccaneers defense. They looked very good in this game, still had some blown coverages, but still looked very good and got turnovers when they needed um so what was do you think tom brady will i guess flip the switch or do you think that the buccaneers defense is going to have to step up against green bay in order for them to win this game oh it's definitely going to have to step up they're definitely going to have to get pressure bulls are going to be doing a lot of blitz packages and that's what they're going to have to do they're going to hope that they can get rogers on his ass and that's going to be the only way that they can beat him i think but with that being said i mean brady is capable of doing more we've kind of i've at least you know maybe not giving him as much credit as I should. He's uh, he's done a good job in these two games. He didn't play great in the Saints game, but he was good enough. He, he was, he was not, let's be honest, he was not typical Tommy Brady leading us to six Super Bowls. Like, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. He wasn't but the, he won. He won. And, yeah. like, he he did enough to win. He was better than Breeze in the football team game. He wasn't amazing. He had good stats. But he was, he, you know, he let them hang in the game a little bit. And uh, but he's found a way to get two road wins, and I don't think that can be discounted. But their defense is going to have to be the reason they win because I just don't see them winning a shootout with Green Bay, just like I don't see a Buffalo winning a shootout with KC, and just like I didn't see Cleveland winning a shootout with KC. Is that when you have that elite, elite quarterback, you know, playing at the highest level, they're just not going to lose those games usually, and that's what Rodgers and Mahomes are. So, uh, that, that that's my thing for the Bucs is they're going to have to 
get Rodgers, make him uncomfortable, get a couple quick stops early and, um, you know, sack him a couple times in the first quarter and really try to set the pace of the game early. Because if you let Rodgers, you know, go right down the field like the Rams did and score seven points in the first drive and he's smiling and doing celebrations with his guys and just, you know, looking all relaxed, not even, you know, worried about getting hit, then you're in for a long day. That's just the reality of, of Rodgers right now. Yeah, you got to get pressure on him and make your presence known. I agree with that. For Tampa Bay, going into this Green Bay game, I guess we'll do a little bit of the preview now. Um, but this this upcoming game, I just – I have a feeling that karma is just going to bite the Buccaneers in the ass because Murphy Bunting called Michael Thomas slant boy on Twitter after shutting him down. And to me, the football gods always find a way to come back and cost you when it matters most. And they will find a way to absolutely uh, make you regret talking shit at any point. Um, And with Tom Brady, it's just like, he's not, he's, we talked about it. He he wasn't impressive. He was 18 for 33, 199 yards and two touchdowns. Yeah, those are okay stats, but not like the Tom Brady that we've seen in the past. I think the biggest thing for Tampa Bay in this game is establishing the ground game. You got to be able to establish the run in order to help Brady out. Uh, Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones have to break off a couple of big, big runs in order to keep Green Bay's defense honest. Playoff Lenny, baby. he's been good. He has been good. Bro, playoff Lenny was the most cringy, cringy fucking playoff name. Joe Buck, I'm, I didn't mind Joe Buck for years, but now I'm starting to see why after that game, why people don't like him. The emotion like or lack there, the emotion or lack thereof from this man when there are like big plays is just like so boring. Like it takes energy out of me to like listen to hear like listening to him talk. It's, it makes the game feel official though. It like doesn't it like make it feel like official? I don't know. It's just some weird feeling about it. I like that. I was, I just Although I hate his excitement. Tyree. If you ever go watch like the Eli the Tyree play, which is one of the best plays in NFL history, he's just like Manning escapes the pressure caught by Tyree. exactly like it's like wasn't really i mean it was like if it was like kevin burkhardt he would have been you know lot like walloping on the floor you know like give me but, like give me some emotion give me some like romo energy like come on this isn't a funeral like what the fuck this is football like why are romo, we romo romo's got a lot of energy that chad had romo was romo, romo you gotta check romo's pants after that kansas city game i was like he was getting a little bit too excited there um but uh, what Joe Buck is just like, he's like, Fournette, handoff, takes it, runs into the runs into the line, breaks a breaks a big gain, still going into the end zone for a touchdown. It's like, oh, thanks, Joe. I couldn't put that together myself. You know, my my two year old brain apparently can't register that he's. It's better than for stepping all over the game, though. I don't like the guys who talk the whole time. Like if you like if you get a, like a Jonathan Vilma, have you heard him on? color he talks i've heard him a couple times time. but i think vilma's a, vilma's a guy that i like his perspective because like he's one of the best linebackers ever and i kind of he's better than like a keep talib and that can't that eagles versus arizona game oh yeah oh my <laughs> he's god he's like one of the guys just watching the game you know with wings and a beer and just being like <laughs> yeah <laughs> no, that's he's fine <laughs> like that's fine if like you're working for like barstool but like if you're if you're the actual color commentator for Fox or something like that. You need to, I need some like cleanup. I need some, like just some professionalism, but some energy at the same time. Like Romo, I hated Tony Romo for years as a Cowboys when he was a Cowboys quarterback, but now he's a pretty good broadcaster and he's done a pretty good job and he brings energy and he's just him. Charles Davis are the guys that love football and you can feel that energy. And Daryl Johnston, I, his suit looked like something out of the wild west. I don't know what he was wearing. He looked like the Monopoly man. I don't know what was going on, but he's a guy that I love his perspective and I love him and Aikman. Like those type of guys, like they love football, but they present their information in a way. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. Did you know Troy Aikman's a Hall of Famer? No, I had no idea. I had no idea. You didn't know from Joe Buck saying every time he asked Troy Aikman anything. Hey, the Hall of Famer Troy, what do you think on this play? Like, dude, like it happens. Like, if it, they got they got to have a Vegas line on that of like, how many the, times per telecast he says it. It's got to be like an over under of like thirteen and a half. People got to bet it. Like, I'm telling you, 
<laughs> and it is bad. Where he's like, I'm Joe Buck. That's Hall of Famer Troy Aikman. It's like that. That's the most uninteresting way to introduce a Hall of Famer that I've ever heard in my entire life. But uh, those are the guys that I love football. I love their energy, especially. I, I did not like Charles Davis at all at first, but now I miss him. I miss him a little bit, not going to lie. Now that they throw Aqib Talib on fucking Eagles games, I'm like, I would I would rather have Charles Davis. I would rather have Charles Davis. Just terrible. Who's got the Super Bowl this year? Is it NBC? I'm pretty sure it's Michaels and Collinsworth, right? No, I think it's CBS this year. Oh, it's Nansen Romo? Uh, okay. Yeah. Which actually I'll, could I'll be... I'll research that, but... Yeah. Uh, but anyway... Um, yeah, as for Green Bay, let's do Green Bay, Tampa Bay preview right now. Um, let's get back to this. I'm a little bit lost. Uh, so obviously two offenses, Green Bay was put up 32 last week against, uh, the Rams, like we talked about earlier in the show, what will be the biggest, uh, factor of success for each team? Do you think Tampa needs to run the ball. Like you said, they need to establish the run. They need to get pressure on Rodgers. Green Bay has just got to keep on keeping on. They just got to keep doing what they're doing. They got to, you know, get stops on third down on defense and convert third downs on offense. That's all they did in the Rams game was a third down clinic. And if they do that, Tampa's shot. It's a lot more, it's a lot easier for Green Bay. I think Tampa has to play a perfect game. Um, Tampa does have a little bit of the ingredients to beat Green Bay. I think more so than the Saints did. So I think it makes for a little bit more of a game simply because their quarterback can throw downfield still. Um, and, you know, they've got a couple of weapons to be able to convert those plays too. But Fournette's going to have to have a big game, and they're going to need to – I think Rodgers, I think he's going to have to get sacked at least at least three times, at least three times for them to win. Um, but in short, I think Green Bay wins by a touchdown. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I think, you know, you're maybe 10 points. I th- I'll, I'll go 34-24. I think the Rodgers is just going to be able to – have his day in, in Lambeau, man, with fans in that stadium now. It just feels like they're not going to be denied. Like this is – Rodgers has been on this tear all year after they drafted Jordan Love to just show he's still an elite, elite quarterback, and he's going to be an elite quarterback for the next five years. And uh, he's he's proven everybody who doubted him wrong this year. And I just I, – I think he's gotten to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I think the Packers uh, – I agree they just got to keep on doing what they're doing. But the biggest factor for Green Bay – is LaFleur because I think this is the game where LaFleur puts his stamp and really shows that, Hey, I'm one of the best coaches in the league. And I'm not just the guy who's making the play calls for Aaron Rodgers. Like I'm one of the best coaches in the league and you guys have been underestimating me for years. I think uh, he will be the biggest factor with the play calling. Uh, As for Tampa Bay, uh, I think Mike Evans has to step up. I think he's the biggest factor if Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and all these guys, like all these receivers are getting their looks and getting open looks and breaking off big runs on short routes, uh, that's where Tampa Bay is working at its best. And he only had three yards on one receptions last week against New Orleans. So I think if he can get going, if the top guy can get going, then the rest of the offense will get flowing. Everything else will get set up. But that doesn't happen until uh, Mike Evans gets going. And I think they're going to need Evans in order to succeed against Green Bay in this game. Uh, So that's why I think Green Bay's run defense, I think they'll hold up. They'll do really well. Uh, Tampa Bay's run offense, they'll be decent, but I'm not expecting much because they haven't been much of a running team this entire season. So my prediction for this game will be somewhere around, I'll probably say like 35 to 23 i'll go 35 23 i said 34 24 you said 35 23 all right fine all right no it's fine i just i think we're we're on the same page just be yeah just because like i don't see after tampa bay put up 30 against new orleans but this green bay defense is much different jair alexander's yeah yeah, jair alexander is one of the best cornerbacks in the league um you know aaron Rodgers is going to put up points in a hurry so i know he's going to put up at least 30 in this game because I'm not sold on Tampa Bay's Tampa Bay's run defense is great, but their passing defense is not good at all. I think some of Drew Brees' interceptions last week were on the receivers and I'm not, I don't think Murphy bunting is going to shut down Devonte Adams. I think Adams is going to have an explosive game. I think the stable of running backs with Dylan Williams and Aaron Jones will be thriving and they'll just, really just chip away at that defensive line for Tampa Bay. Uh, so I think 
but it's still Tom Brady. So like the Tom Brady bonus is still like 20 points in my mind. So I still think he can put up at least 20, but I'm not, I think Green Bay's defense will settle in and then they'll stop them in the second half or something like that and really just get rolling and then they'll run away with, with this game. And I think, yeah, it's just because we're on the same page. Uh, but let's go over to the AFC. Uh, Bills versus Chiefs, Josh Allen versus Patrick Mahomes. Uh, a lot of people are expecting like a quarterback duel feels like, but these defenses are stacked. They still can stop people in a hurry. Uh, so what do you think is, what do you, how do you think this game's going to turn out? I'll just be straight up. Blowout. That's my gut feeling right now. Blowout. I think it's going to be a dud. I think it's going to be a dud. I think, uh, Buffalo has been a great story. I've been on them for a while. Just, you know, very impressed with them. They've had a great year, but I think this is just going to be a clinic from Holmes. I don't know. I just, that's just a gut feeling that I get. Cause I'm not sure. I'm not sold on Casey, like winning the Super Bowl yet. I think Rodgers could beat them now, but if they have a big game in this game, I think you're going to see the narrative from the media completely turn. Everybody's going to be like, Oh yeah, Kansas city was 14 and two this year. They could have been 15 and one if they cared about that game at all against the chargers. And uh, you know, they've got the best player on the world in their team. And this is the team that won the Super Bowl last year. We should have remembered that and not pick an underdog, you know, Buffalo team who's beaten, you know, beat Phillip Rivers who retired and then he beat Lamar Jackson, who we don't think is going to be able to win in the postseason. They haven't gone up against anybody of Mahomes caliber in a long time. I mean, even in the regular season wins, you know, it was Tua and it was Nick Mullins and it was Cam Newton. Like they haven't gone up against the Mahomes in a long time. And I think as long as he plays and Tyreek Hill's out there and Travis Kelsey's out there, you know, they've had no answer for tight ends in the past, you know, in, in the indie game, especially, you know, their tight ends are gashing them. I think there's a potential that, uh, that Kelsey is a huge game in this one. I think it's going to be Kansas city, Kansas city scoring 30, 38 points. Buffalo is going to score wow. 17, 38, 17. Wow. I am not, yeah. I am not going there. I think Buffalo and as I've made some pretty bold and stupid takes on this show for the NFL season, but I'm not, I, I think Bill's Bill's mafia is just like absolutely living vicariously through this team. And this team perfectly reflects that underdog mentality. So I think they're going to keep it close and you know what? Fuck it. I'll pick the upset. I think, I think I'm going to pick the upset. Week. When are you going to learn to get to stop betting against the team? I'm going to like I learned to stop betting because I was an Eagles fan for so long. And I have seen Andy Reid fuck up time management situations so many times that this, I almost had it. I almost had it last week with the third and one speed option play that almost costed Mahomes not being able to play in this one. I thought that was going to be the one that really turned the tide and then Cleveland was going to storm back and pull off the upset. But I think Buffalo, I'm really sold on Josh Allen. I am so sold on Josh Allen. I think he's a great quarterback and I think he gets into Kansas City he knows that he has to step up in this game against a guy like Mahomes, who we know is the the Goliath of this league, really, when it comes to quarterbacks. And I think Buffalo knows that everyone is doubting them besides the city of Buffalo, and they're just going to step up and find a way to get a win. So I'm going to predict final score will be 35 to 30, 35 to 30. Uh, Buffalo is going to get the upset just because I think Diggs is going to have a monster game. I think uh, it'll turn into a track meet a little bit here and there, but I think Buffalo's defense, their defensive line is going to get pressure when they need to and get some critical sacks, maybe a turnover down the stretch. That'll seal the game. But I am all sold on Bill's Mafia, and I will ride with Bill's Mafia in this game. Probably regret it, but, hey, you know, got to ride with the Bills, and I'm just going to pick the Bills just because I don't want to see – a di- another dynasty. I just got out of the Patriots dynasty. I don't want to see a Chiefs dynasty. I respect it. I respect it. I just, uh, I, I told you I was heavy on the Rams last week, and uh, I learned that is that true. Betting against quarterbacks of Mahomes and Rogers caliber is stupid. That's that's my rationale. <laughs> yeah, that's that's all. Right. And they're at home too. Like picking I, picking against those two at home is just feels like a sin. It feels like a sin. But at the same time, it feels like I'm a genius. 
I'll probably the, the Chiefs are going to score like in two three minutes in the first possession on Sunday, and I'm going to text you say how you feel, and you're going to be like, uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm going to feel like absolute shit, but at the uh, I, I it's Andy Reid. It's still Andy Reid. He won like the Super they, Bowl last year, but I they still it. like last week. Last week, just last week, they almost lost that game because of his play calling. Yeah, All right. I mean, I'm. I'm not going to sit here and tell you. I think Andy Reid's the best coach of all time. He's definitely had his fair share of mistakes, but still a Hall of Fame coach. I'm not going to. Oh, yeah. I, oh, I'm yeah. Just, I don't oh, think yeah. he's I don't think he's going to cost them. I think he could cost them against the Packers. Because when you're going up against Rodgers, one mistake like that is going to kill you. Against Allen, I'm not so sure yet. He's great. Allen's very mm. good, but I'm not so sure yet, especially at home. Fair enough. Fair enough. That wraps up this weekly edition of the Black and Blue Pod. Thank you all for listening. Could have tuned into anything else instead. You decide to tune into this dumb show. We have some of our best takes. We have some of our worst takes. As we will recap, Noah will take uh, Noah and I will take the Packers in this uh, in the NFC Championship game. I am taking the Buffalo Bills. He is taking the Kansas City Chiefs. Hopefully, our picks pan out. Well, actually, I hope my picks pan out. I don't give a shit about your picks. Fuck. Fair. No, I'm, thinking, I'm kidding. Uh, all right, that wraps up. Thank you all for tuning in, and we will see you in the next episode. Hey guys, hope you enjoyed the episode. Make sure you're following us on all of our social media platforms as well as podcast services like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, all that good stuff. Uh, Your subscription and follows mean just as much as you actually playing the episode. Uh, Thanks again for listening um, and I hope that you guys have a great rest of your day and hopefully you enjoyed this one. So 